order to get through a wedding without wasting money and with knowing what you're actually supposed to be doing, you really need to have a planner or a coordinator that's going to point you in the right direction. Hi guys, and welcome to the What Else Podcast. My name is Sarah, and by listening to this podcast, we have now become best friends. And as best friends do, here we talk about life, ask interesting questions, and open up the floor to learn what else is out there. Before we get started, be a pal and subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star rating, because that is what friends do, and by doing so, you give someone else a better chance of finding it. All right, friend, let's get into the episode. Hi guys, welcome back to the What Else Podcast. I am here with Megan Papa George of Sweet Peach Planning. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We uh, met together once before this to just kind of, because we just met online um, and, you know, introduce ourselves, see what was going on. And our personalities instantly clicked. I was like, she, <laughs> she's my people. Yes. I love that I miss the whole dating online thing. My my boyfriend and I have been together 11 years, so I never got to do the dating online thing, but I find like finding girlfriends online is so nice because it's like, oh, it's just a random vendor, and then we click, and it's like, this is what people are getting out of the dating part, but I'm just using it to find really rad women in my life, so I feel like we had a first date. And it was killer. <laughs> it was killer. Our first day was great. Invited her for a second one. And here we are. I am all about making friends online, especially I think COVID, of course, like pushed it a little bit. But yeah. I, I kind of want to think back to March and then look at all the people that I've now gained relationships with. And it's all on Instagram. Well, almost all on Instagram. And then also Facebook a little bit. I've made a lot of friends online. And I'm like the kind of person I don't mind just messaging you or like DMing. And I did that this week. Actually, I was listening to a podcast that I just kind of found and I found her on Instagram and I sent her a voice message. I was like, Hey, I loved your podcast and whatever. And like, she didn't answer, which is fine. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't care. I will talk to people all day. You don't even have to talk back. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, and you never know how things are going to intertwine or work out, especially, you know, all, even the big cities are small cities. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's so fun and it's a really big change. Even from when I entered the wedding industry and the entrepreneur in industry about six years ago, um, when I first started, I reached out a lot to do internships and to shadow people and things. And it was a very closed off creative industry at that point. And in the last five years, there's been such a shift where it's like, hey, you're a woman, I'm a woman. There's enough weddings for everybody. There's enough podcasts for everybody. There's enough um, people that want photography. Like there's enough plentiful abundance for everybody. Like let's all help each other out, sister. So I feel like that has made such a good improvement over the past few years. And why not just reach out on Instagram? Like what's the worst thing? They don't respond. Right. It's like, whatever, you know, she may not have seen it. I don't know. Maybe right. my beautiful voice on the voice recording intimidated her and she's just got to warm up a little bit. Yeah, like, she's like, the angel left me a message. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> oh no. No, I totally agree. The um, online space has, of course, it, it always has its uh, downfalls, but it has become super 
inclusive and open for conversation. And so you mentioned that, so you went into entrepreneurship in your business and went in planning six years ago. Yes. Want to hop on that. How did you, how did you start your business? How did you get into wedding planning? What did that journey look like? Yes. So this was a very odd journey. I actually um, moved to LA with the idea to get into acting like so many people. Um, I had done small time theater improv in New York. I went to a um, conservatory. I was um, in a theater company in Charleston doing smaller parts, you know, this little line on army wives and this little things here and there. So then moved to LA and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to switch my management over. I'm going to do acting. And I went and literally no one would send me on anything. I mean, this was before Amy Schumer. This was before, um, you know, that plus size body was really like a cool thing. It was kind of like I was in that in the middle zone um, and nobody knew what to cast me as. And I was broke as heck because I was 24 living in LA. Uh, well, technically Long Beach, but LA proper. And so I got a job accidentally at a gay bar. Nothing against gay people, love gay people, but had no idea. So my boyfriend and I go put applications in. We start working at this place. We both got hired. I was hostessing. He was doing bar backing kind of stuff. And like three or four days in, we looked at each other and we're like, babe, I think we work at a gay bar. <laughs> like We had no idea. That's so fun. But yeah, if you don't know, that's what you're getting into. You're like, wait a second. Yeah. And then Halloween comes and it's like our manager shows up in drag and looks beautiful as Wendy Williams. And we're like, yep, we're definitely working at a gay bar. <laughs> Soon after I decided that, you know, acting, although I love like theater and I love the artisticness of it, that I just was not able to manage myself in that way. You really have to be open to just being like, Yep, I need to lose weight. Oh, I have a mole on my... You have to be open to rejection over and over and over again. And I kind of had this epiphany. I was hitting that 25-year mark, that quarterly, um, quarter-life crisis, as some people would say, where I realized I want to be judged on if I'm late. I want to be judged on if I um, can create something really beautiful, if I can collaborate, you know, just judged on different things that obviously actors and people in the theater have to also have those qualities but it's not such a prerequisite to look a certain way to get into other industries. So I knew I was, my mind was already open to starting something different. So little me that was broke was like, Hey, I need to make money. And uh, my manager was like, well, why don't you become our catering manager, our catering coordinator? And I was like, cool. Yeah, I'll try that. And he's like, yeah, if you suck, we'll just fire you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and he actually became a big mentor in my life, like really polished me up, like taught me how to do consultations with clients, how to treat all clients equally, how to understand the needs of clients, um, to take a vision and kind of make that malleable and then actually produce it. Because a lot of people don't really mean, you know, when you're any industry that you're in, somebody might say, oh, you know, I want a car that's red and goes really fast. What they're really saying is, I want to feel young and free and excited again. So it's like really being able to communicate with the client and understand what they're trying to get out of, in, in that case, an event. So I became the catering coordinator there, and um, that was before gay marriage was legal. So we did some commitment ceremonies, and a lot of people's families were not super supportive. 
So they might have had one or two people helping them, but otherwise they were lost. You know, it wasn't like here in the South where you have your mother-in-law and your mother and your sister and whatever helping you. So it quickly became, oh, you need food for your wedding, for your commitment ceremony, quote unquote, but it was a wedding. Um, and then they're like, yeah, but do you know where I can get flowers? And oh, should I have a piano player? And so I kind of fell into this and like, it was a really loving and warm community to be able to learn in because anything that I did for them, they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it was more than they were expecting. So did that for about a year and a half and really created a program there that made a buku amount of money out of nowhere, um, doing Super Bowl parties and film openings and just all these different things. And I kind of was like, hey, if I'm doing this for you guys, I should just do it for myself. You know, if I'm going to work in a, in a job that I'm going to put this much blood, sweat, and tears into, I might as well at that age, I was, I think, 26 at the time, put it into my own thing. So I went back to bartending, did that for two years, saved up some money, and started my own business. Oh my gosh, that's such a good story. <laughs> Long answer, sorry. No, that's perfect. It takes a whole new meaning of, so I stumbled into a bar. Mm. Completely, completely. You absolutely found your place. That's fantastic. Yeah. What was um, starting your business like? So you started your business in LA? Yeah, so um, Long Beach, which is LA County. Mm -hmm. um, and the great thing about Long Beach is... 20 miles south of like LA proper downtown LA and it's about 10 minutes west of Orange County um, I mean sorry 10 miles um, 10 minutes if you're at three in the morning otherwise you'll get a traffic jam but um, it's great because you're so centrally localized that it worked really well for me and my business because I could really the span of places I could go was really wonderful how did you get out there as as far as like starting to get clients and such I mean for somebody from South Carolina I've never lived anywhere but South Carolina starting a business here felt very scary I could not imagine I mean you already had quite a bit of bravery in you to go to LA and and like pursue your dream and you know be so open to the new experience of getting a job at a gay bar and be like, okay, like this is what we're doing. And then taking on the new job and saying, okay, this is what we're doing. But how, how do you do that? How do you push past all the crazy that I think comes with living in LA? <laughs> Funny enough, the way I actually started getting clients, um, that's kind of a two part answer. My first actual client was a girl that I worked with at a restaurant. I did her wedding for free after getting certified um, it ended up to be quite honest, a bit of a nightmare because as lovely as her and her fiance were, she was a very nervous Nelly. So I ended up planning almost the whole thing with him, which was fine. It was very great. It was new. So I did way more meetings than I should have where something like that should have had like eight to 10 meetings. I met with them probably 24 times on a weekly basis and you know, she would pour us wine and me and him would figure things out. So it was, it was very unique to work with the groom the first time. Um, but then also I kind of had not set myself up in the correct way yet. So I was, um, being treated a little bit more, um, by the mother of the bride. Like I was the cleaning staff and I was the catering staff and I was the DJ and I was, you know, so it's a real, it's a learning process. Um, to really understand what wedding planners, event planners, event producers do. We're not the musicians. We're not the bartenders. We're not 
we just managed that all of those things happen, you know? So I got my first wedding with her. That was a great eye opener for so many reasons. I mean, the location was beautiful. The decorations were beautiful. Everything was so great on that side that it gave me some photos to send out and it gave me that kind of thing. And also the bad things that happened, which weren't bad for the couple at all, you know, but the things that happened where I was like, oh, I should kind of be putting a boundary there. Oh, I should be letting them know in advance they're responsible for this, this, and this, you know? So that was a really great part of the learning experience. That was the first wedding that I did under my company. The second part to that, other than her, I didn't, I didn't know where to start. I was like, where do I actually find people that will trust me to do their wedding? Um, so what I did was I went on Zazzle. No, I went on Vistaprint. And um, I don't know if they still have it, but it used to be back in the day, like 50 business cards for $10 or, so, or 500 business cards for $10, whatever it was. So I would go out every day for like three months and I would hand out 10 business cards. And it didn't matter where I would just like go to the grocery store and give them to like three of the grocery store clerks. And then I would like go to the local hair salon and go in. And if there were like six beauticians working that day, I'd be like, Hey, I live down the street. If you know anybody that wants to do a wedding, if you want to do a blog post together, if you want me to come in and help you, I helped load for a DJ. I helped load speakers one weekend for a florist, I came in and worked for free for a week and met everybody that came into her shop for the week and gave out business cards every day. Um, I went to a bridal show and volunteered to work the bridal show. And then they like put my cards in the little bags, but I was just, no matter what, I would give 10 business cards away every single day. And the first year I did seven weddings. The second year I did 21 weddings and the third year I did 50 weddings. So what yeah. <laughs> a story. Oh my God. Every question of like jaw dropping right now. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you just got to start somewhere, right? Honestly. I mean, it's, it's so simple, but so many, you know, good on you for not getting discouraged from like your first client and the bumps in the road. That's the hardest. Well, maybe not the hardest, but it's one of the hardest parts of starting a business is that is being okay with stumbling and not seeing it as a oh, I'm not meant to do this, or oh, this was sucky, I shouldn't, whatever. It's, oh, okay, so this happened, and so with the next next client, I'll do this. And this happened, mm -hmm. and that wasn't cool with me, so now we're going to do this. Well, and how in the world would you, how would you possibly know until you jump in? You know what I mean? I think that's a lot of the thing that a lot of people get stuck up on is that they're going to ruin their business before they start or something. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I just need to go to three more classes and I need to get certified this many more times. And I, you know, I'm totally a pro. I'm very supportive of education. I did the bridal society and I'm a lifelong member of that. And I do some of their video things when I can jump on and, you know, stuff like that and go to their conferences and stay up with what they have going on because I want to know what's new in my industry and always be educated about it. But at the same time, I would have no reference point if I wasn't constantly doing weddings and in the business. So it's got to be a 50-50. Um, there's no point in education if you're not practicing, and there's no point in practicing if you're not educating yourself on how to practice properly. Yeah, it's a really big balance of, yes, you need to be educated and know somewhat of what you're doing, but you know, get your first like three questions answered and then just jump in. 
or yeah. else you're never going to start. Like there's never like, a, oh, you're ready for business. Oh, you need to do this before you start business. No, it really is just a dive in and try not to bump into too many things. And sometimes it's things out of your control. I saw in one of the groups that I'm in, one of the Facebook groups where people support each other, a photographer wrote and she said, does anybody have experience changing hair color um, on a certain editor program that she uses? She said, I was doing family photos with a dad, a stepmom, and the kids. Well, the mom um, dyed the kids' hair just to kind of mess up the pictures, like bright purple. Who knows if it was actually to mess up the pictures, but that was her understanding of the situation. So now, you know, photographer thinks she's going to go in, take these family photos, do her normal edits, and move on with her life. Now she's got to figure out, how do I change this purple hair so this mom and this the stepmom and this dad can have family photos that are a little bit more timeless where the kid doesn't have bright purple hair. How would you possibly know to educate yourself on that until something like that happened? You know what I mean? So it's like, you really just have to like always know that in your business, life is going to throw you something that you have no idea what to do. And that is okay. Like that's just, that's what it is. Yeah. You would, Oh my God, I cannot, but stuff like that is I'm in several of those groups because honestly you kind of have to be like you have to find some sort of community even though like some of these groups I'm in are like 26,000 people I'm you know it's still great to see stuff like that and you can just kind of go in and ask questions and all of that pick up on the lingo and pick up on the things people are using yeah a lot of it in the first couple months has just been listening I'm just like seeing the questions people are asking seeing the issues that they have and then reading the comments because I'm like okay like before I have this problem let me learn how to fix it because they had that problem and now I know what to do and just ask others oh my gosh but I that's insane there's going to be stuff like that that comes up that you never would have expected you just kind of have to roll with the punches Mm -hmm. Um, but you, so you started your business in LA, but you haven't only done SoCal weddings. Is it really weird for me to say SoCal? Am I like so out of the, out of the lingo by saying that? No, that's totally fine. It's very in the norm. Okay, cool. My family is from Southern California. And so I, I got it from them. One of my cousins has a company called SoCal Shreds. So that's where I'm like, oh, SoCal. Yeah, whatever. Um, that's not only where you've done weddings. You've done weddings like across the country. Yeah. So that first wedding that I did was actually in a place called Bass Lake, which is in Northern California. Very beautiful. I've done a couple other Northern California weddings, um, mainly Southern California and then branching out. I'm originally from Virginia. So I've done a few weddings in Virginia, family in Georgia. I've done weddings there and then quite, not quite a few, but over the years I've done one or two a year in South Carolina. Um, just because I always wanted to keep my foot in the door here. We have um, family here and it's just so beautiful. And I really resonate with the mix of like the history and Southern values, but also the artistic scene that's here. Um, I feel like in a way it sort of creeps up on you a little, like you think it's just completely norm, you know, a sleepy Southern town. And then like, you know, some of the art that I used to do here with theater work and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, you're kind of risque, or oh, you're pushing the limits a little bit, or so, yeah, I always wanted to um, stay connected to Charleston, because I knew that it was going to be a part of my life at some point. And now you're back here. Yes, I'm very excited to be back. I'm excited. That's kind of, um, you know, how our conversation started with each other. Um, what's, do you see any difference between, like, 
Southern or like, you know, Charleston sort of weddings and then weddings in California? Like, is there a style difference? Um, there's a couple things that are different. I would say definitely a style difference. People definitely want something a little bit more eclectic in LA. Um, the views are a huge deal in LA, which I know they are here a little bit, but not quite as much. Um, the people that you work with are different here just because client-based here, a lot of times you have a mother, mother-in-law, sister, like I said before, they're very supportive, but they also want to chime in. They want to be on the email loops. They want to be CC'd on things. They want to attend meetings, which is wonderful. But a lot of people in LA are more transplants. So they're planning the wedding with their partner. And so I always joke, I'm like, yeah, it's like a throuple. It's like a couple and me and like, we make it work, you know? Um, so I've gotten really accustomed to working with a couple and I don't like there to be a lot of surprises on the wedding day. Like, unless the couple wants to do them for each other, like something cute for like a grand entrance or a special dance or a toast that's funny or whatever, whatever. But I really, really like when a couple will plan their wedding in a way where they're both aware of what's going on. Because I think that, um, you know, normally men, but if the woman is kind of a little bit more, um, not included in the process, I feel like for some reason it doesn't feel as real to them on the wedding day or something. It feels like a party they're attending instead of kind of like a celebration they're hosting, if, if you will. Yeah. And if you're okay with that, then by all means, do what works best for your situation. But I can just tell the difference when I plan a wedding with the groom and the bride or the groom groom or the bride bride, both being equally a part of the planning process. And we get there and they're like, Oh, there's the spoons we picked out. Oh my gosh. Oh, the churro man that we tried. Oh, Oh, ah, I always knew these stairs would look so good with the candles, you know, and maybe it's something silly, but it's like, it's like we started a race together and we finished the race and it's not like one partner kind of joined in on the last lap. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I understand different, you know, situations and scenarios. Maybe somebody's working out of town or overseas or doesn't have as much time. But overall, that's the big thing that I would really like to change on this side of the industry is saying, hey, let's loop that groom in. Like, even if it's like, let's go get a beer tasting and then we'll throw in some of the other facts or something just because it really does change the whole vibe of the day once it's been a team effort the whole time. I love that. I love yeah. that. All right, we are taking a quick break to thank our non-sponsor, Kopari Deodorant. Um, no, I am not fancy enough to have sponsors, but I wish I was. And so this is a segment where I just kind of share my favorite products. And I have been using Kopari deodorant for a solid two weeks. Um, and it's really good. Like all the Instagram, you know, ads and all that stuff that I've been uh, served online has really worked. It's like $14. And at first I was like, what the hey? But listen, hear me out. It's so good. I think it's made with like almond essential oils or something, um, which, you know, some people get weird about essential oils and their products and I totally get it, but it is fantastic. I have totally noticed a difference. <laughs> I was about to say in the quality of my armpits, but like kinda, like no more like red bumps or irritation or I don't know, like is it weird to say rash? Listen, underarms can get a little wild, um, but this deodorant has been a total game changer. I love it. The smell is addicting. You feel like you are coming out of the water in Bali. So 
I don't know what else you need. I think I'm about to, gonna order some more of their products. If you um, love any of their products, definitely let me know which ones I should order next. Um, but you will not get 20% off on their website if you use what else 20. However, Kapari, if you want to sponsor me, like that'd be neat, and uh, we could we could have a code for 20% off. Sure, if you sign up for their email list or something, you can get like 10% off or something. But anyway, um, I'll link the deodorant in the show notes and you can look forward to these favorite segments every episode. So, all right, back to the episode. We actually have a few submissions from uh, the listeners. Um, I think cool. you got some submissions from your followers and I got a couple from mine. I know several people who are planning weddings for 2021 and 2022. I almost think that there's going to be an influx because everybody had to push everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got, uh, oh my gosh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We have 10 questions that I narrowed down. Yes. From submissions. So let's see if we can get through these. First one, good one to start with. What is the benefit of having a wedding planner versus DIYing it? Why would you want a wedding planner in the first place? Sure. So in order to get through a wedding without wasting money and with knowing what you're actually supposed to be doing, you really need to have a planner or a coordinator that's going to point you in the right direction. Um, I hear all the time, oh, well, my sister got married last year or, oh, well, you know, my mother-in-law's had three kids get married. Okay. Well, I've done 200 weddings. So you really need somebody in your court. That's not just going to think about how pretty the flowers are or how good your veil is going to look. You need somebody that's logistically thinking on your side, okay, well, this place needs extra insurance because it has boats, and this place doesn't have enough parking, so we need to hire transportation, and this place closes at 10, and you really want your party to go till 12, so, you know, all those kind of logistical things where we can step back and not be emotional about them, that's where you're going to find your benefit, and really, if you're going to only get married one time, Heck, you're going to get married two times. You want the day to go smoothly and you don't want to be stressed out um, and have a beautiful veil, but then your caterer leaves three hours early and your family has to clean up because nobody thought to check that on the contract, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, my best friend, I was her maid of honor. She got married in June of last year and it was the, I think it's the first wedding that I've been in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my boyfriend actually, they didn't have a wedding planner because the, um, groom's mom is a wedding planner. And so she sort of helped there a little bit, um, stepped out, you know, didn't want to do the whole thing because that's like work and she wants to enjoy her son's wedding. Um, but my boyfriend actually was the coordinator. He had never coordinated a wedding before. And because when we were talking about it early, early wedding, you know, planning and stuff, I was like, um, you really need somebody on the day to be the runner. You know, this is different from a planner. A coordinator, I think, is very different. Um, but you really need somebody that day to, to be the runner. If something happens, if a button breaks, if the, you know, caterer has a question, you don't want them to be bombarding you. Like, exactly. you need at somebody to be outside of, like, the guest list and outside of the bridal party and the, or the whole wedding party and your family that kind of can be a touch base. And it was awesome. Like, he'd, of course, he'd never done it before. Um, and it was, it went really well. Um, but I totally agree. Having somebody, that entire process would have been so much nicer because it can yeah. be 
so much stress. If you can't afford that and you don't have the privilege of having a parent that's a planner, then definitely look into the pricing of even just doing a two hour consult with a wedding planner in the beginning and say like, Hey, I'm going to pay your $150 an hour rate or whatever it is. And I'm going to tell you everything I'm thinking. Tell me where all my red flags are because that two or $300 that you spend to do that with a wedding planner, if you can't afford a planner the whole time, is probably going to save you a couple thousand dollars and your bridesmaids and your groomsmen being really peeved at you by the end. Um, so I just find a lot of value in what we do. Yeah. Um, so that, that actually goes really well into the next question. Cause I didn't even know like if this was the thing or whatever, somebody asked, can you explain the difference between a partial and a full service planner? I did not realize that like partial service planner was a thing. Is it a thing? Yeah, so it is. Um, it's something that I have come to find is really hard for me to do personally, because once I start planning, I want to be involved in everything. Um, but it is possible a lot of times um, there's wedding venues that come with, say, the property and the catering and the bar and the parking. Um, so all the transportation is figured out, but they want help finding their photographer, their florist, doing some table design, things like that. So that would be a partial planning um, because you're not actually doing finding all the vendors for them. Um, also in my full planning, I include budget and I include a style skate. So you tell me I like blue, I like magnolias, I want it to be, you know, Cuban cigar chic. Great. I take that information and I transfer that into actually realistically what you could do with your wedding. Um, we're not all going to be hanging out smoking cigars the whole time, but maybe it's that like cool Cuban cigar boxes with cupcakes on them or, you know what I mean? So incorporating those details, um, that would be more of my full planning but you could always add it on. So it's sort of the middle ground for people that have the good chunks started, but are lost in the middle. Gotcha. Oh, that's super good to know. I, I was like, I have never heard of this before. Yeah. Um, when a bride and groom are, you know, whatever, is looking for a wedding planner, what do they need to look for? Because uh, when you're first going to hire really anyone, but especially a wedding planner, because it feels very personal, what questions should they ask? Like what, what do they look for? Maybe even what are some red flags to say, Hey, like maybe not this person. Yeah. So you want to ideally find somebody who has worked at your venue or at the very least toured your venue is willing to tour your venue, really dive in because every venue is so completely different. There's venues that you provide a generator or they provide the electric. There's venues that let you start at 9 a.m. There's venues that let you come in and set up two hours before. All those things are so different. So ideally, you want a planner that either has worked at your venue or is very familiar with it and is willing to go tour and find out all that information for you without being an extra add-on. Um, you want to also make sure this is going to be usually a six to 12-month process. So you want to just enjoy them in general. Like They're going to be the people that are with you the whole, the person's with you the whole time through. So you want to enjoy them. I definitely suggest checking reviews. Don't be scared if they have one or two bad reviews. There's always a kookadoodle that's like leaving a crazy review about, <laughs> because, you know, their cupcakes got smashed in their car trunk on the ride home. And like, you're, you know, the wedding planner wasn't responsible for that. But, you know, if they have four or five bad reviews, you need to take that as a red flag. Um, so, yeah, those are the big things I would say. Somebody who's compatible with your venue, um, somebody that has good reviews, and somebody that you just generally enjoy chatting with. Yeah. What should people look for in a venue? Um, yeah, like, I mean, 
questions you should ask. Same sort of, same sort of deal. There's a ton of questions you need to ask for a venue, um, whether their catering is included or um, you have to ha use certain caterers. Same thing with the bar, um, if they have a preferred vendor list, if parking is included, what their hours are, what their setup hours are, what their cancellation and postponement um, policy is, especially in COVID times right now. Um, what happens if there's a hurricane? All that sort of stuff on the logistical side. And then if they include tables and chairs, um, if they allow real candles, if, they, if you have to have faux candles, I know that sounds silly, but if you have a venue um, and a vision to have 300 candles and they don't allow real candles, well, the fake candles cost about $8 each. So eight times 300, you know, that's an extra cost you need to take into account. So those kind of questions, and then also just the vibe, you know, like think about how you're going to feel in that space. There's sort of two different styles. There's a space that's already curated for you, um, somewhere like the William Aiken House, like that's already historical all out. So you feel like you're in a really cool museum and getting married. And then there's spaces that are just really blank spaces like Gray LB and Long Beach. And that's just a cool, funky loft. You can make it prissy, you can make it punk, you can make it vintage, you can make it swampy and put moss and grass everywhere. So decide if you want to go through the process of really building from the ground up or you just want to find somewhere that's already your vibe and roll with it. This is a um, question that I just thought of. This isn't a submission. Um, for like venues, is it like when you're, and I, I've never shopped for either, so I don't know, but you know, when uh, brides go to shop for their wedding dress, a lot of times they're looking for like the, that moment or whatever, like they put on the dress and it is, you know, oh my gosh, since I was birthed, this dress was made for me. Is that the same thing that you want to feel at your venue or is that sort of something that's been, uh, like a pressure has been put there that you know, don't worry if you don't feel that right away, it'll come together. Yes. Yeah, so that's something that I don't think a lot of people feel. I don't think that they get that moment and that's okay. Because if you've got that moment, you're most likely just going to take whatever that is and reproduce it where your moment should be a special moment. So you should almost feel like when you look at a fixer upper house and you're like, Ooh, this has good bones. That's the kind of feel you want to get from the venue. Like, Oh, I could see my mom zipping up my dress there. And I could see my groom's best friend having a whiskey there. You know what I mean? Like you have to have, be able to have that vision. So don't be nervous if you walk in a venue and you're like, I like it, but that's okay to have the, but because once you put your own twist on it and it's your taste and the flowers and the, this and the, that, it will feel like that. Wow. Moment. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. Um, when do you start looking for a planner in the process? Do you find your venue first? Is it like you put a ring on it and the next day you make calls? Like when do you actually start looking? It depends on what your what amount you want to be involved in. Um, I have clients that have done all of the above. I have ones that have called me a week after engagement, booked me, and then I have done everything the whole way through. I also have clients that do a good chunk of it and they call me three months out and they're like, I have this, this, and this. I know there's holes somewhere. I'm going to give it all to you, figure out where the holes are and do coordination and upcharge me for whatever I'm missing. That's fine too. It kind of just depends on where you are in life and how much time you want to put into it. Okay. That's really easy. Um, and so these go into some more specific questions. Okay. How many seats do you recommend to invited guests? 
Oh, I see. Like, I guess the ratio. Right. So I always do 10% extra because there's always an auntie that will put a purse on a chair. So if you have a hundred guests, I say 110 seats. And then also you can think about how many people are sitting because you don't want too many empty seats. So if you have a hundred guests and 12 of them are in your wedding party, then account for 98 and do 10, or I mean 88 and do 10% over that. Gotcha. Actually, this makes me want to think. So like there, what's the ratio of, you know, oh, you're going to send out this many invitations, but plan for this many people. Right. So it's 11% pre-COVID that would generally say no. Um, in the LA area, because everybody wants to go to LA, same thing with New York, same thing if you have a Miami wedding. So you have to think about if you live in, you know, a town an hour and a half outside of Boise, Idaho, that nobody's heard of, and they might not want to take a week off vacation to go there, then you're looking at about a 20 to 25% no. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, okay. Will you be with us all day of the wedding? That was another question. Yes and no. Um, somebody from either myself or my team. So I do a lead coordinator for every wedding and then an assistant, depending on the size of the wedding and how DIY it is, or if they have certain aspects, we've done a hundred cranes before and I've put on, I mean, a thousand cranes. Have you heard of a thousand cranes? No. What is a thousand cranes? They fold a thousand paper cranes and then incorporate them into their wedding. Why? It's a good luck thing with their culture. It's okay. a Japanese. Um, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. I'll have to send you pictures. Um, so something like that, I would put an extra assistant on, for instance, because I want to make sure that all of those get out. Um, so somebody from my team will be there the whole time. Me, myself, I'm kind of to the point where I have lead coordinators that handle a lot of it. Um, but also there's kind of this Thing, thinking that the wedding planner is going to be in the room, like fluffing your dress and stuff like that. Like, no, we're out there making sure that everybody's showing up, everything's set up, things like that. But we try to do um, a touch point from the time that our time starts minimum every hour. So you will see us. And then we like to do groupings of things. So we don't like to be there like, okay, now you're going to do your first dance. Okay. Now you're going to go dance with your dad. Okay. Now he's going to, we just come up and we're like, Hey guys, how's your night going? You having fun? These are the next four things that's going to happen. You're going to cut your cake. Then you're going to do the honeymoon dance and you're going to do this. I'll be right over there if you need me. You know what I mean? So we try to kind of be undercover with it and not be too much in the spotlight. Yeah. That's nice. Cause you want to feel like a, not, I guess not spontaneous, but you want to feel a little bit like, you know, you're flowing through the night, not that yes. you're in boxes. Yes, absolutely. Um, do you review contracts with vendor vendors with me or just help us find the vendors? Ooh, that's a really good question. Good question. So if it's full planning, I will review the contract. I'll let you know if there's any red flags, but I am not a lawyer, so I am not legally responsible, but I can say like, hey, I see on here that you know, they're requiring two meals. So just a heads up, we need to make sure that you have a lunch ordered for them and a dinner or, Hey, this photographer says they won't have your photos back for four months. Maybe they're just a really popular photographer before you sign, make sure that you're agreeing to that. And you're not upset a month later that you don't have photos yet. You know? So I try to let them know about those red flags. Yeah. Um, what time should my ceremony be? Wow. That's a very personal question. <laughs> yeah. That's really up to you. Um, what I like to do when I generally schedule a ceremony, if it's not in a place of worship is I'll see when the sun sets, that's going to be when I want you to do your grand entrance and go into your first dance. 
So then I go back an hour for your cocktail hour so that you can get those really beautiful photos in. Before that, I'm gonna push it back a half an hour for your ceremony to start. Half an hour before that's gonna be guest arrival. So that's sort of how I normally do it if I have free range. Oh, I like that. It's very mathematical. Yeah. It's totally, totally my vibe. It's like, tell me exactly the numbers here. Um, and then final question is, will you make sure I eat? And actually, that's a fantastic question. Um, my, the wedding that I was made of honor in, it was really hard to make sure that they both ate and they sat down and had a good time. And then she was a maid of honor or a bridesmaid, can't remember, in a, somebody else's wedding. And the bride, that was her like top priority. She was like, Bailey, I'm going to make you sit down and eat. Like you have to sit down and eat. I did not realize yeah. that was such an issue. It's a complete issue. So there's two ways that we combat that. Right after you're done with your ceremony, um, we have the caterer put a little um, amuse-bouche together for you. So when you're off having your champagne, you have a couple nibbles with your significant other. You're like, woohoo, we did this. Let's stuff our face real quick before we have to take 500 more photos. So you get a little bit there just so you're like sustained and you can like have a second to breathe. And then after that, you go take your pictures, you do your grand entrance or your first dance or what have you. And then when you go sit down, I try to put an assistant near your table. So if I see people kind of coming up, I do the, oh my gosh, we're going to do some more photos in just a minute right after they eat. Um, we can't stop, you know, God mom from coming up and, and talking to you or something, but we do kind of put the essence out there. I will tell you one thing that people don't realize is you're so excited that you don't want to eat. So you need to make sure that you have a plan B, either a late night snack, you're going to stop it in and out on the way out or whatever the burger place around here is. Um, you're going to go get your Wendy's, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. Um, a lot of caterers will pack a, a box for you for later because they know that you're not going to eat during dinner and your nerves are everywhere and you want to hang out with everybody. So if they, that catering company does that, well, then we make sure it goes back to your hotel with you. Yeah. Oh, they did that for um, Emily. Her name's Emily, who I, I was made of honor. They did that for her. And I was like, that is so kind. Yeah. Um, it was one of the best parts because they, <laughs> I mean, they didn't expect it either. And so it was just super kind. It was such a wonderful touch. Um, so that was all our submission questions. And I want to hear some, do you have any crazy, out of 200 something wedding, crazy Ooh. wedding stories that you can share? I mean, literally everything has happened. Just everything. I've had a DJ show up before and set up completely messed up completely and then we realize later he tells a bridesmaid because he's acting really weird and he's very touchy-feely on like some of the bridesmaids not like a super creepy way but just like a woo and like you know a little bit off and some of his comments and he's taking forever to set up and then he slips to one of the bridesmaids and is like yeah maybe I shouldn't have done molly at 6 a.m so he was he had gone out the night before done molly which for listeners who don't know is some kind of touchy-feely psychedelic-y kind of drug and so he was tripping the whole time and eventually we had to ask him to leave and put on a playlist because he was just out of control dancing on the dance floor and we're like you're kidding you're dancing who is playing the music and he couldn't he was just and this was like at seven o'clock at night so it was it was a good one it was a good one we've had everything happened that you can imagine. We've had photographers not show up. Um, we've had photographers move out of the country. 
We have had bridesmaids get so stinking drunk before the <laughs> toast that they're crying during the toast. And it was actually very sweet, but she was just having like a panic attack love fest over this toast that she was giving. We had a father of the bride who's an awesome guy, very spiritual, give the whole birth story of his daughter during the toast, like about his daughter exiting the womb. And oh God. God. everyone in the room was just like, what? We don't need to hear that. But, you know, it went with his personality and that's what it was. I mean, you have to understand, just like with parenting, these are just people attending a party. It is not, you know, they're going to be the same people they are at Sunday dinner, the same people they are at the grocery store. They're going to be the same people they were in high school. Just because they're attending a wedding does not mean they're magically different people. So you just have to be understanding that everybody you know, is doing the best they can to celebrate and really keep it all together. And sometimes you're going to have little things that turn out kind of wacky. Wow. Today? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. How did Very. you, how did you handle that? Like, what do you do? Are you, I mean, at this well, point, 200 weddings later, you're probably like, bring it on. Yeah. I mean, I don't want it to happen, but I feel very equipped to handle anything that could happen. Um, and also, you know, my vetting has gotten better and requiring only vendors with insurance and business license and not your brother's, you know, uncle's friend that has a van and some speakers, you know? So as you get farther in your business, you can see the red flags further ahead, but I'm sure something crazy will still happen at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, this has been such, such a great interview. <laughs> Where can people find you? Sure. So I'm really active on my social media. Um, I don't post as much as I should on Instagram, but I do a lot of stories and I always answer people. So reach out to me there, Sweet Peach Planning. Um, and then Facebook, I have a Sweet Peach Planning um, page also that it's a little bit more galleries and things like that. So if you really want to dive into the work that I've done, you can see a little bit more info there. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Guys, yes, if you loved what she had to say as much as I did, definitely go check out her Instagram. It's beautiful. She is the kindest human. So I highly recommend her. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to the What Else podcast. And if you liked this episode, then I've got a small to-do list for you. Uh, first of all, go ahead and screenshot this episode right now and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Sarah E. Boss. And I can go ahead and repost your post and that helps others find the podcast as well. And give me a review on Apple Podcasts. That is a huge help with letting others find the podcast and also become best friends. So don't be selfish. And finally, if you want to subscribe to my blog to get even more content, you can at sarahebossblog.com. All right, guys, I will see you in the next episode.